What are you doing on your phone? They're using their phone, their gadgets. Just scrolling through Instagram or going through Facebook. Children have had more stress, more anxiety. The more involved you can get your child, the more autonomy they feel in the decision-making process. Children want parents to just actively listen to them. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Neelam. So, Neelam, what are we doing in today's podcast? We have questions from our listeners from our first podcast. Today, we'll be answering them. Welcome to Peace of Mind, a podcast series exploring the world of mental health from OTMP MindWorks. In this episode, behavioral therapist Rachel Chan Mazariegos and child psychologist Neelam Hiran and Danny catch up to answer some listener questions they've received from the first episode of Are You Really Listening to Your Children? They cover three key topics of different parenting styles, the addiction to phones, and supporting your child through difficult moments, such as a tough first breakup. We're here for our second podcast recording today. Our first one went really well. We talked about active listening and how to communicate better with your children. We got some great feedback, some positive feedback regarding giving advice to their kids, um, assurance, validation, and also the emotion jar. A lot of my clients have tried to practice that and it seems to work for all of them. So we, we have some questions for today. Let's get right into it. The first question that we have is different parenting styles and their background, the tension between the parents and how it affects their children, basically the impact it would have on kids. Right. Yeah. And I think this is definitely something that is affecting quite a lot of families, especially in Hong Kong, where you have such a diverse group of people from different backgrounds and things like that. Parents oftentimes can disagree with discipline approach, rewards, things like that. And it can have quite a negative impact on their child. Yeah, I think it depends a lot on uh, culture as well. I think every culture has a different parenting style. And also, Hong Kong is a multicultural society. And here we have, um, you know, combination of parenting styles, uh, different approaches, and the way they speak to kids, very different. So I think the norm over here is they, they do combination of approaches. For example, authoritative style. Sometimes they try to be permissive, but they can't strike the balance of when to include their kids and listen to their kids for their advice versus um, how much do they take control. Yeah, and I think you use such a good phrase there, striking balance, because this is probably the most difficult thing. If one parent wants to go a specific way and perhaps discipline a certain behavior, but then another parent feels perhaps that behavior is okay, oftentimes this imbalance can come across to their child. And regardless of whether your child is four or perhaps 14, they're going to pick up on this difference. And this difference often means the child knows how to manipulate each parent and get what they want in the end. Children are very smart these days. Children, young children and teenagers likewise, everyone knows when parents are changing their styles. So whether the father is more permissive and the mother is more authoritarian, I think it's very um, easy for kids to tell how to manipulate parents. And I think the importance of striking a balance is something that parents have to learn and adapt over time. They need to practice and see what works for them. Overall, yeah, we have like four different parenting styles, one of uh, which is authoritative. 
right? It helps kids, you know, set clear rules, expectations, um, boundaries, solve problems together. The other one is authoritarian where it's parent driven. So it's like, that's where tiger moms come into place, <laughs> right? A lot of emotional behavior issues come out when a parent is too authoritarian. Right. The next one is permissive. That's when it's child driven. Parents tend to overindulge mm. in children's opinions and their point of view. They make children make decisions and that's when uh, they, they try to avoid all conflicts. Right. We also have neglectful parenting styles. And that is when parents are uninvolved completely. And I think in Hong Kong, we have all of these parenting styles that you can see because we have so many cultures. Um, so some of my clients come, come, come to me and ask me for advice on what should I do? What do I say when they come to me and say this? And very often I have to, you know, do a bit of psychoeducation on these parenting styles to tell them, you know, what's going on right there and how they can approach it differently. Right. And I think quite a lot of this actually starts with parents themselves. Mm -hmm. Something that I noticed, actually a patient of mine had said to me, this was her mum. she said that there was one day at home that her daughter had done something wrong, whether she was on the phone for too long or whatever it was. And the mum had said, you know, you're not allowed to do that. Give me back your phone. And then in front of the child, the partner had said, well, actually, no, I think it's fine. You can let her have her phone. And this in itself is quite a obvious display of this sort of lack of communication and consistency mm -hmm. and from then on obviously the child began to challenge would go to the, the other partner more when she knew that perhaps dad would give me something and mom wouldn't yeah yeah I agree I've heard of um you know similar situation before I think parents go through this fight or flight response themselves they get into this parent alarm mode so whenever kids bring up things to them already they're jumping to conclusions, to getting into assumptions that, oh, I know what to expect. I know what they're going to say. But in reality, children want parents to just actively listen to them. And that's when conflicts come about. And, uh, you know, the, the parenting style again changes. So so that's when parent, uh, kids would choose which parent to talk to. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, then there is a lot of challenges with just dealing with problems. Something that I suggest to the parents who come and see me, I often say to them, Go out on a date night, and although this is probably not the topic that you want to discuss on the date night, but sit down and write a list of all the things that you are okay with and not okay with. Because oftentimes you don't really think about this until you're faced with it in the moment, until your child has done something wrong. And like you said, we go into this fight or flight and we make these decisions, impulsive decisions in the moment that perhaps may not align with our partner. So I often think, go home have a chat with your partner, decide what are your non-negotiables when it comes to your, the behavior of your child, what's okay, what's not okay, and what's the appropriate consequences that align with your family values and morals before you are put in that position and have to deal with perhaps, I don't know, catching your teenager smoking, for example, and not knowing how to react. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a great, great, great advice, I think. Going out on a date night and talking it out, I guess that would help parents not to catastrophize yeah. and magnify the problem that it that that already exists, right? I think when teens come to their parents with concern or when parents find out about their teens or, you know, betweeners, they, they tend to make um, an irrational kind of judgment in the moment. And I think that's when, uh, I guess, your suggestion would come into place. Um, going out, actually pausing and thinking how to evaluate and assess this and communicate it openly to the parents, uh, to the kids, yeah. 
I think one of the biggest tension creators within family is screen time and phone usage. And I believe we have a question on yeah, that. Yeah, actually, that is our second question, which is addiction to phone and social media. This question was raised by a mother who has a 14-year-old daughter. Is this something that you've noticed is an issue with the families that you work with? This is a big issue, especially since the start of COVID. I think it's already an existing problem before that. But then with the start of COVID, I think screen time has skyrocketed and has, you know, different impact. For example, children have had more stress, more anxiety. Um, I've seen a number of depressive cases just by being addicted to their phones. However, I think there's a difference between being on their devices, being on social media. Right, Rachel? I think one of the biggest things that's quite difficult for perhaps parents to understand is what children are accessing their screens for. And you're completely right in that I think COVID has made this quite difficult right because with covid came restrictions socially so you weren't allowed to go out and see your friends you couldn't go on play dates that kind of thing and so there was only really one thing that you had access to and that was your computer or your phone and one thing that can become quite difficult is understanding the line between screen time and social media social interaction Mm -hmm. oftentimes parents will come and say to me my child is on their phone way too much It's a huge creator of tension in the house. We're fighting all the time. I don't know how to deal with it. And one of the biggest things I say to them is, it's best to sit down with your child and figure out what is it that they're actually doing when they're online. Oftentimes we think they're just scrolling through Instagram or, you know, mindlessly going through Facebook. But what they're really doing is that they're interacting with their friends. One of the most common things is Discord. And it's basically a platform where you can go and play video games collectively. And it's an interactive sort of platform where you do things together with your friends. And I liken it to almost being outside in the playground. To these kids, there's not really any different. You know, if you're online playing a video game together versus being outside and playing in the playground, it's still this interactive platform where they can all kind of engage and experience the same thing at the same time, which is really important for building some of those social skills. Right, yeah. A lot of them play games online and they're socially interacting when they're playing a video game. And I think, you know, because school has been online as well, I think parents are just feeling an extra added pressure right? because there've been, you know, it's ongoing for three years and they're just online all day because of school and then after school for recreational purposes, they're using their phone, their gadgets. And I think it would be useful for parents to really gosh if they're on social media or just, you know, mindlessly scrolling, but also using it for socialization. How would parents be able to really assess what they're doing on their phones though? I think the best way, and obviously this will vary depending on the relationship you have with your child and how much communication you've already done. But again, it would be sit down and say to them, you know, what are you doing on your phone? What's your favorite thing to do on your phone? What games are you playing? Come from a sort of inquisitive angle where you want to get to know your child's interest a little bit more rather than what are you doing? Um, almost having sort of a negative spin to it. When you can find out what's important to your child when it comes to social media and screen time, you can then set the boundaries, right? Okay, so Discord is the most important as opposed to being on Facebook, right? So how can we set boundaries that work for both of us? We can give you two hours on Discord a day and that's it. 
or we can give you five hours, depending on what you're comfortable with, a day, how would you like to sort of allocate that time? Mm -hmm. The more involved you can get your child, and we've said this so many times, right? The more autonomy they feel in the decision-making process, the more likely they are to kind of follow through and listen. Yeah, that's very interesting. I think keeping that discussion alive is very important also because when it comes to teens and tweens, encouraging them is the most important. And if you give them the autonomy to decide and give them choices, I think that's when they do come around. So being fun, positive, when mentoring and monitoring their access to these devices, I think is the information will be well received. I think also being creative with the language that they use would be useful, right? Instead of saying like, you know, you're on your phone oh so often, which is something I hear a lot. I hear my kids always complain about their parents saying that my parents only tell me that you're on your devices they don't want to ask me how my day was they don't want to ask me you know if something went wrong or if i need help they just ask me that oh you're just on your phone but they don't really understand that there might be a hidden meaning to that too right and that's definitely something i notice as well i've had quite a lot of patients who will say to me perhaps something has gone wrong they haven't done so well in a test at school and the first sort of comment that parents will make is oh it's because you're on your phone too much and it just seems that over time a lot of things get linked back to the amount of time that we spend on our phone which can often be quite a big trigger for these teenagers especially because it's not necessarily the reason that they didn't do so well on their on their exam for example and it just creates further tension between the parents mhm yeah in fact um Why don't we talk about, you know, some phrases and ways we can suggest to parents um instead of pointing out how long they've spent on these screens, what sort of questions can they ask? I guess you could start by asking your child for help with setting up a particular social media app on your phone. Do you know what I mean? Almost like I'm struggling with this or how do you how do you yeah. use Instagram or how okay. do I get this filter or whatever just to kind great. of get your child actively involved in being open about social media and all these different apps with you so that when you later on need to discuss perhaps limits around Instagram it doesn't feel quite invasive i think that's a great example and great way to be involved with your child i think they that would make them feel like almost they know more than you right, right? yeah and exactly and that's when they'll be like okay i'm going to help mom today you know install an app or i'm going to help her to kind of sign up for instagram or something and i think that would really get them very engaged and that would just stir the pot for conversations it would be creative it'd be more way of them you know receiving all the information from parents they'll receive it very well. This is also something we mentioned in the last podcast about starting off small sort of stepping stones for communication so that when it comes to the bigger things we've already created that clear path of communication with our child. So the more actively you are discussing social media usage and time internet safety things like that in a sort of non-judgmental way in the future should your child find themselves in a difficult position they're more likely to want to come and speak to you about perhaps strangers harassing them on Instagram or not knowing how to deal with some sort of cyberbullying the more that they feel we've discussed this before the more likely they are to want to speak to you about it when it's slightly more difficult or emotional subject yeah and uh, that's modeling behavior so parents can model to their kids how they would expect them to ask them for help in the future by asking them for help now it doesn't mean that parents are um illiterate or they don't know how to install an app on their phone but they're just kind of modeling a behavior where they're learning from their kids and vice versa 
they will in turn expect their teenagers to come to them and ask them for help as well. One other question I would foresee parents asking us is, what if they try to do this, but parents just cut them off anyway and say that, you know, you're too old for this? Because I've heard that before. Too old for the apps and things like that? Mm -hmm. I think something that's important to remember is unless you're sort of monitoring everything that your child's doing on the phone, it's very likely that even if you say to them they're not allowed to be on Instagram, that they've perhaps created an Instagram account already. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not knowing what's happening is a far more dangerous position to be in than perhaps actually being open about it. Mm -hmm. So your child might do it anyway. So it's better to be involved in that process to discuss it so that you can sort of keep them safe rather than you know, completely cutting off the conversation, which like we said, if there ever is an issue, they're not going to bring it up to you. And that kind of talks about the parenting style, right? Which approach would you use to deliver this information to them? So I have one more question. It says, my son is having terrible difficulty dealing with his first breakup as a teenager. He has gone from a chatty, open young man to sullen, unhappy and withdrawn. I would love to support him more, but he will not talk. Do you have any advice on how to approach him? I think when approaching a situation like this, parents have to be very mindful about actively being present versus active listening. Sometimes talking too much might not be as beneficial as talking too little. Parents, I think, in this situation should firstly observe how their kids have changed over time um, and perhaps slowly kind of go in and ask if they need any help or, you know, give those small little um, short questions to them. And that might just help them to see how the kids are doing. And I think parents in this situation, it, it's quite tricky for them to really uh, be open to their kids, right? And give advice. Because if your kid is not being open, your child is not being open, it's very important for parents to really withhold any advice and assumptions that might come out of parents. It is expected for parents to give advice all the time, but sometimes what is expected from a teenager is very different because we have to take perspectives. Perspective taking is very hard for parents at this stage, right? It clouds our judgment. And when that happens is we take on an emotional mind approach versus being a reasonable mind. Right? I think in general, parents tend to be very emotion focused when it comes to children. They focus on their feelings. That, that's that's when they have issues with providing necessary support, which is very appropriate, I think. Versus if they take an emotional mind approach, focusing on the logic and facts, it imbalances how they should provide support to their kids. This kind of goes back to what we talked about in terms of toxic positivity, yeah. which oftentimes when it comes to things like teenage breakup, things that most parents have already gone through, they do have a tendency to use language that indirectly invalidates the experience of the child. Like, don't don't worry about that. You'll get over it. It's just puppy love. You'll find someone else. Those sorts of things which come from a place of wanting to make their child feel better and problem solve for them. But actually what it does, it makes the child feel like you don't understand how this feels because for that child this first breakup is probably the worst thing they've ever experienced and the heartache must be so much that they don't understand and so to sit down with your child and just validate their experience and say to them I can't imagine how upsetting this must be I know so and so is really important to you 
how can I help? What can I do? And if your child is perhaps in a place where they are shutting down and not really speaking and they are withdrawing, just giving them pockets of indications that you are there. If you ever want to talk, I'm here. Is there anything I can do? Gestures to indicate that you're there for them, whether it's making them a cup of tea or a meal, things like that, just reminds them that over time, once they're ready, they know that you're always there for them and you're going to be there for them in a non-judgmental capacity. Yeah, I think in general, children do want to turn to their parents for advice. Um, they just need time to work out their emotions first and have them in check. They need their space to work through all of that. And in time, they will turn to their parents for any open discussion if we listen without judgment and interruption. Another thing I would suggest actually is I know that some children and teenagers specifically struggle to speak with their parents, especially when there's eye contact and it's quite personable, but which is why you'll notice that the best conversations always happen in cars because you're not looking at each other. Mm -hmm. If you are worried about that and you're noticing that your children are perhaps not the best at confrontation or speaking to you in person, send them a text. You know, it's 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 a, another way to show them at their level that you're there for them and that you want to make sure that they're okay. Yeah, and actually that's something I've suggested to some of my parents and um, some of them have been sending memes to their kids. And that is, you know, a different humoristic approach. We have a question from a child. Why are therapists called therapists? Which I think is an excellent question. I have to admit, I didn't know the answer. <laughs> I had to Google it. But you know the answer. Yeah, it's an umbrella term that, uh, you know, it refers to psychologists, counselors, and therapists altogether. But it's a short form for psychotherapist. Neelam, should we do a quick recap for each question? So the first question was about different parenting styles and um, the tension between parents and the impact it has on children. So for that one, if you can, go out on date night, decide what are your non-negotiables with your partner and go from there. And then, of course, try not to question your partner or challenge their sort of disciplinary approach in front of your child. Try to have quite a lot of those conversations behind closed doors. The second question is about addiction to phones and social media. For this one, again, just be sure to sit down with your child, decide what part of their social media or screen time is the most important. Make sure that they're actively involved in sort of the decision-making process so that they feel they have some autonomy in it and make sure you communicate with them. Get involved with their social media life as much as you can from a positive angle. And our final question on talking to your children about difficult subjects such as their first breakup. Yeah, so we talked about avoiding toxic positivity, invalidating your child's experiences. We also talked about focusing on listening, active listening without judgment and interruption and making assumptions. One other way we could do this by is indicating that you're there for them by uh, texting them once in a while without, you know, looking at them directly so it would cut off all the pressure that they have to speak and open up. I hope we've managed to answer all of your questions. I've been Rachel. And I'm Neelam. Thanks for listening. See you next time. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. For more information, advice, and support about the topics discussed in this podcast, please visit our website at www.mindworks.com.hk, where you can also comment, like, and share. To hear future episodes, please subscribe. This episode was produced by Punch Presentations for OTMP and Mindworks. Thank you for listening.